Annika Scott, you are the doyenne of the brass world and a self-confessed time traveller. Tell us more about that. Well, my work uh, takes me to quite a lot of extremes of horn playing. One of the things which I've always been fascinated by is over the centuries and in different parts of the world, the instrument has changed and evolved and developed in all sorts of uh, particular ways. So most of my work involves playing music from all around the world, all different time periods, but often looking at the instruments and the techniques that the composers and performers would have been using at the time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly sort of travelling around different times and things like that. That's... That's what I spend my time. And which is your preferred time? Oh, oh, I'm uh, the natural horn, the classical natural horn, which is has a very, very long life. We can do anything from the Mozart concertos up to Brahms writing his horn trio, at, you know, second half of the nineteenth century. I love that instrument. That that's I think partially um, because there's no moving bits. You don't have to kind of worry about the uh, the valves or keys or whatever um but i think that's my favorite instrument i mean <laughs> you don't have to worry about the valves or keys but you must have an embouchure of steel well it's one of the benefits actually one of the great things about playing that particular instrument it's really good for your oral training it's a bit like being a singer you have to be able to pick the note out of nowhere so you get you get a much better understanding of uh pitching of harmony and yeah it's it's a it's a it's a tough instrument to play so you have to be very flexible and agile and strong so yeah it's it's, it's a challenge <laughs> let's do another bit of time travel now but it's just going to be a hop skip and a jump a mere 10 years ago to the time when you were a finzy scholar in paris no less surrounded by wonderful patisserie and you had a library card a formidable library tell us more about that well the whole thing, the whole thing goes back a little bit further. I I did postgraduate study in France, and when I arrived there, I, I had a wonderful teacher who um, very rightly says, right, if you're going to study the natural horn and you're going to study in France, you need to learn about the French tradition, which is a really big thing. We've got so many important sources. And that included these really challenging little works, Twelve Caprices by Jacques-François Gallet, a French horn player in the 1820s. Let's just have a little listen to you playing one of them. These pieces, they just they just blew my mind. They they to give an idea of them. Um, it's basically our equivalent of the Paganini caprices, and Paganini and Gallet were part of the same world. So they're they're standalone pieces. They're very they're very much um, improvised in style. They're very dramatic, and so I got introduced to them and fell in love with them. And it was always at the back of my mind 
could they be played as a set? Could could it become something that I could stand up on stage and perform as a as a program? That was the backstory, and then then I'd known about the Finzies for the Finzie scholarship for a long time, and then one year decided to go for it. You thought this this is the moment to delve deeper into these caprices, yeah. and I noticed that. You had, as part of your research, you met the violinist Thomas Zehedman. Yes. And you uh, talked about the Paganini yeah. with him. And he talked, uh, as you mentioned, about these caprices having uh, improvisational quality, mm. but also something of the circus ring. Did you go for that as well? The whole thing fitted together really beautifully because I had a big tour with uh, uh, John Evett Gardner's Orchestra Revolution Romantique, um, which the last concert was in Paris. And then basically I, I remember waving all my colleagues off onto the Eurostar and also waving off instruments of mine because I needed different instruments for that tour to the scholarship. So this this moment of just seeing horns and colleagues and everything disappear, <laughs> me left in Paris, was I, really, really exciting. But Thomas was um, the soloist with um, the orchestra on the tour just before the scholarship started and I knew about him having done the Paganini so we we had the opportunity to ch chat about it So I do, I do recognise that one of the things I've been trying to do is, is say, uh, say that this is a composer and a performer of concert music of note, and not just a dry didactic um, study book. So I think, I think there's definitely part of me that's been annoyed on his behalf that he's 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 seen um, purely for something from the practice room. things I love about this project is that it's come full circle. I know that you've been keeping yourself characteristically busy over the lockdown period by recording, for example, all 150 chorales of Bach on various period instruments, and that Galet has once again become your companion. Yeah, so so I was doing I was doing right at the beginning of lockdown, I did one of one of the caprices a week. Um and it was a great way of reaching out to sort of um, musicians worldwide and yeah so it was it was really timely that um, I reached back to that and the other thing which is super lovely is I know a lot of other horn players who have similarly gone and done something with the Caprices so I talking to people the the project I did thanks to the Finzi um, uh, Finzi scholarship I know that it raised the profile of these pieces, so it's it was nice seeing other horn players also reaching out to these pieces during this really perplexing time. Oh, it's great to hear about the ripple effects of this project. Annika Scott, thank you so much.